0: Ladies and gentlemen, warning. Spoilers ahead. Enjoy yourself. After next week, things will be different. It'll be all over for you, mate. You mean a marriage? Christ, hasn't it occurred to you yet that that's what I want? Sure, mate. But, but everyone has their last fling. Why? For you and them back there.
1: I've outgrown that rock.
0: And when you grow up, you will too. Grow up? If growing up means settling down with one person for the rest of your life, I don't want to know about it. Good evening and welcome to television. G'day! Hello! Hey! Hey! Hey!
1: Well, I'm Wayne Stellini.
0: And I'm a Philip Hunting and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure.
1: We most certainly do, young man. So, mate, what have you been watching since our last podcast?
0: I've had another one of those Kirsten's watching, therefore I'm watching series. Oh, dear. I've been watching... Yeah, well, actually, this time it's not too bad. It's My Wife and Kids. To be honest, can't tell you a lot about it because I've been in and out, sort of, you know, not watching uh, religiously. But it's fun. It it seems like a fun show. It's got some good family values. Okay. Okay. Yeah, again, can't say a lot about it. Just a, a fun show. And yeah, kirsten has been watching it, so I have.
1: Right, so you've been dipping in and out. So it's really a show yes. that you've half been watching. I've been half been watching, yes. Okay, okay. Pretty slack, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but clearly doesn't grab you, mate. Clearly doesn't grab you. Uh, no, no, not really.
0: Yeah. It's funny because something like Pack to the Rafters grabs me because it angers me, it annoys me. Um, you like
1: to be angry, don't you? I do like to be angry. You it, do, you do. Is As anyone who's heard us um, debate a <laughs> movie, <That's
0: laughs> it, that's it. disagree
1: <laughs> on point of views, Philip, you are in your element when you're angry and uh, yes. probably so am I, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I um, wasn't angry in what I've been watching recently, but probably left dumbfounded and a bit confused <laughs> because uh, over in the United States at the moment, it, we're in the middle of a presidential campaign so I've been watching the presidential debates ah. and I'm not going to comment any further because they kind of speak for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I think as the world leader and as the most powerful country in the world, I think everyone has an invested interest into what's happening in the United States and politics and their elections are very much like a circus. It's very showmanship-like. Yes. So you know, they're, Interesting to watch, but also frustrating when you've got certain people running for the (laughs) most powerful position in the world. And that's all I will say because, Philip, you and I are very politically minded and love talking politics. And we will then distract from the purpose of our podcast today. (laughs) That's it. And on that note, Wayne, what is today's film? Today, we're reviewing the Australian Sophie drama Summer City. Please explain. In 1960s New South Wales, friends Sandy, John Jarrett, Robbie, Phil Avalon, Boo, Steve Bisley and Scollop, Mel Gibson, drive to the beaches north of Sydney for a weekend of surfing and fun as one last fling for Sandy before his impending marriage. But tensions flare between the university educated Sandy and Ocker Boo when the groom-to-be decides not to join in on the gang's shenanigans written and produced by Phil Avalon, drawing from his own experiences as a passionate sofa. Summer City proved popular with audiences of the time, but it is best known today as the first credited big screen role of a young actor by the name of Mel Gibson. So, Philip, did you catch a wave with the boys of Summer City? This movie
0: didn't know what it wanted to be.
1: And <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, I got very easily lost. I, I don't know whether it was just... Because my TV struggled actually and I know this is a technical issue and it shouldn't really come into a viewing of a film, but I think my TV actually struggled with the resolution of this film because literally everything looked blocky, it looked fuzzy. So I actually literally struggled to see the film. Well however I,
1: can, I was sorry, Phil, just to, to say I can yeah, yeah, yeah. probably answer that for you if you like. And this may change. Yeah, and this might maybe alter your thoughts or reflections on the film. I will just put it down to saying it is not your TV.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in that case. Well, in that case, uh, that just
1: changes everything. Yeah. So to put it in perspective, the movie was actually shot on 16 millimeters and it was blown Mm -hmm. up to 35 millimeters (sighs) for its theatrical release. Yeah. Okay. So that, that puts the, the picture quality in perspective for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that explains
0: everything. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I literally struggled seeing this film. Mm. I struggled hearing this film. I had a lot of issues. It has that sort of indie Australian mumble and mm. and you hear all the background noise just as loud as the foreground noise yeah. and it's very endemic of that sort of australian indie film so from a technical point of view low marks for this, <laughs> this movie <laughs> and on top of that the story just seemed to drag on and then almost its resolution was over in a flash mm. It, it, it almost wanted to be several genres in one. It wanted to be an Aussie road trip movie. It wanted to be a coming of age movie. It wanted mm. to be a bit of a comedy. It wanted to be this thriller. And there was just far too much attached to this one film film that it actually became boring to me. I didn't care about the ending. I didn't care about the characters. Whenever there was something redeemable about them, it either felt shoehorned Mm -hmm. or it felt like they only existed to be this character, Mm. to be the foil to, um, for example, Sandy being the one who, who talks to Caroline his whole character felt like he was only existed to talk to Caroline at that moment sort of thing. Uh, Scullop was this brain dead idiot and seemed only there to serve as the inciting incident with his brain deadness. <laughs> <laughs> they all seemed very two dimensional and then again at the end they have this really fast wrap-up of this chase and this 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 uh, this gunfight and these two characters who want uh people dead and the father killing boo now surely to goodness with this you have caroline's father in the car shooting boo but does, I would have thought Caroline's father would have seen Sandy chasing Boo, so thus they're on the same team. I get that they're trying to go for this sort of, oh no, witnesses sort of crap, but I almost would have found it more powerful if they'd both sort of come up to each other and sort of done a bit of a you wanted him to sort of thing you know just, uh, i guess just our just father, bonding yeah moment.
1: <laughs> yeah i guess her father was probably not so much after a bonding moment as you so eloquently put it but probably more of like you know all you boys are as guilty as one another because they are the outsiders i know it's probably only like a one-hour road trip north or something but yeah you know he's he sees them as bringing negativity i suppose it's a small town yeah. the tight knit You're from the outside. You've come here to cause havoc. It's kind of like a, a horror movie trope almost. Exactly, and this
0: brings me back to the issue of this movie doesn't know what it wants to be. It mm. sets up this whole coming of age and people making mistakes, and you know they're they're a little bit older than the you know the the coming of age stories that we're used to, but you know it's the boys are in the town, and you expect one of these you know mistakes were made and lessons learned mm. sort of things, but then it just turns it into a unbelievable horror movie, you know. Yeah, it's it, it. It almost is like it wanted to be Wolf Creek, just without Wolf Creek, <laughs>
1: without <laughs> yeah. <her. laughs> yeah. Well, well, it was a great comparison considering uh, we have the man who played That's Mick it. from Wolf That's Creek. That's <laughs> it exactly <laughs> yeah, in the so, film. Yeah, but I yeah no, I I see where your where your feedback and confusion is coming from because I'm on the same page with you for for a lot of these things here. I think some of the characters probably have more depth than others, but that's not really elevating (laughs) in any, because that's screenwriting 101. But, no, I do tend to agree with you, especially in terms of the story. I found for a movie that is trying to reach for so many things and trying to do so many things, it's actually quite Uh, slow-paced. Like, I actually wanted to tap out at about the 45-minute mark, and that's roughly where it starts to get a bit more engaging, where all the plot lines sort of come together. But I felt like it couldn't really sustain me because it was padded out with a lot of footage of surfing and and small town things. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. You're trying to make the feature length time because I believe there was problems behind the scenes. So they were like, okay, we actually need to pad this out. Otherwise it can't be a feature film. And look, this is probably problems that you're always going to get in an independent film. So this particular movie was made completely through private investment. It did not receive yeah. any Australian government funding whatsoever. And this is in the era of Australia's huge wave of cinema. This is the era mm. of my brilliant career. This is the era of Picnic and Hanging Rock. This is the yeah. era of, I would argue some of the most significant films made in our country that actually also made an impact overseas and launched careers behind the scenes and in front of the camera as well. So this movie doesn't quite really feel like it belongs to that era, but I suppose again, it didn't have the budget to support it. It was made for $66,000, which (coughs) we go, that's really cheap. It was still pricey back then. You could buy a house for that, right? A really good house for that money back then, mm. but compared to the budgets of other films it was still low. And it shows, it shows in the picture quality and it shows mm. in the audio quality as well. You're right. Sometimes you've got background noise and music overshadowing what people are actually saying. So it can be quite hard to hear. And if we're jumping on people's lines, it makes it that much more difficult to get to know them and their characteristics and and, and what they're like. I found that the movie sort of did shift gear towards the end in the final act, but I agree with you. 100% mate at that stage, it's too little, too late. We don't care about these people. I found that John Jarrett as Sandy was probably the more accessible because he's this more reflective boo calls him whiny and, and whingy. And I suppose he is because he's kind of just grown up. He's grown out of this, type of behaviour and these mindsets. But he's not perfect in himself. I'm going to talk a bit about his interaction with Caroline on the beach shortly because it's quite problematic, especially through a contemporary lens. Um, Mm. Mel Gibson as Scallop, I think Scallop probably has the most range to be perfectly honest because you're right, he is presented a bit as a himbo obsessed with surfing, but he does have that beautiful chat with Sandy on the beach where Sandy's like, well, you know, don't you sort of want more for this. I don't get the whole thing with, mm. with surfing. Where do you want to be in 10 years? And and we do see that scallop is like, well, I don't really know where I want to be in 10 years. It's quite directionless. But he also shows that bit of hurt and sensitivity when he's discussing with Boo about Boo sleeping with Gloria, who, mm. you know, someone that Scallop was 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 quite into. So there's touches there mm. i think and i think sculpt shows more and it's probably easier when you've got somebody who is i guess maybe naive or innocent is almost a bit like childlike yeah. you know, to be honest and I, so i think is probably the more likable one out of the two but in terms of the characters in in this film overall philip because really we've got a bunch of characters who are thrown together in a movie that really doesn't have much of a story i mean the premise is simple and the premise is fine like i actually like the premise four friends sort of road trip up to the beach for a weekend of fun and shenanigans because it's a bucks weekend because one of them is Mm. about to get married Like that's a simple premise and it's actually quite a fun one. You can do so much with that premise. There have been many movies made similarly to that, whether it's been for over one night or over a weekend or going to Vegas or, you know, just, so it's nothing that hasn't been done before or since, but it just does not do it well enough for me. So again, we've got these characters who are in a movie without really much of a story. So if you don't have a story, surely the characters are the ones that elevate it, right? Because mm-hmm. at least you can relate to them. We've got Sandy as the person we're, I suppose, really supposed to connect to. He's come along for this Bucks weekend and he's not really that much of a willing participant. He's Robbie's friend. He's hanging out with with Boo and, and, and Scollop as well at the same time. And he kind of whinges throughout the whole movie, but I still found Mm. him likable and accessible for the most part. The one part that I became distant from, and I think is really reflective of the era, is when he's having that conversation on the beach with Caroline, played by Debbie Foreman. Mm. And she confesses to Sandy that she has slept with boo this is where we learn that she's only 15 years old Mm. and he blames her for Mm. losing her virginity to boo and you know saying things essentially along the lines of you know like that was a stupid thing to do how could you just sort of throw it away like that so we go into some really hardcore slut shaming here Mm. and this is really of a child who's had her first sexual experience was not that much of a willing participant, was confused, Mm -hmm. was probably love struck by this older guy because, you know, that's kind of sexy because you've got somebody Mm -hmm. a bit more worldly and is from out of town. And uh, like, you know, you can see, it's exotic. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can see the appeal. It's kind of like how, you know, people like rebellious figures, you Mm. know what I mean? Because there's sort of this has have this edginess that you would never partake in or experience yourself so we can see why she's attracted to him it does not mean that she consents to anything they do and Mm. she's reluctant and he's quite persuasive and that's putting it really politely and i don't think i should (laughs) be putting it politely but he's really manipulative Mm. in having sex with her in in that water tank and i feel like that she really has this sort of fear and dread because Mm. of the realization that no boo can't love her and that she can't know what love is, and that she's automatically afraid that she's pregnant. It's kind of like a concern that she has the day after, right? But again, somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience will probably be that afraid, will go to all of the worst-case scenarios. It's a reflection Mm. of her regret. Like, I didn't actually really want to do this to begin with. So a lot is made out of this. Admittedly, it could be overwritten, but it's definitely overacted. By both yes. of them, I have to say, in that moment, especially the way she runs off. It's just, you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You know, when you're a teenager, everything is over dramatic, but, like, come on now. But still, that's the direction that, that, that they went with. That's how they were directed to perform that scene, to really emphasise and heighten the drama of it. But yet she's supposed to be the baddie here. She's supposed mm. to be the one who's now bringing these negative ramifications for the boys, especially Boo. What did you think of that moment, mate? Like you said, it's definitely of its era. <laughs> mm, yeah. I
0: mean, she... I mean, she, she strips off in this movie, yeah? There's, is that her or is that someone else? There's a scene where...
1: Oh, so when she goes home after being in the water tank, yeah. she uh, takes yeah. off her wet clothes? Yes, that is her.
0: Yeah. She's 15, I know the actress is not,
1: hopefully, but
0: she's 15 15. and we're... Yeah, it just... The whole premise of this film is just absolutely messed up, especially when you start thinking of it in that sort of way. So, yeah, so uh, this, this issue of her being... Blamed for it is absolutely horrendous to me. The father does it later. Uh, you know, he, he sort of, his initial reaction is, How could you do this? Yeah. Sort of thing. Not, Oh, someone's uh, assaulted my little girl. Yeah.
1: It's, How could you let this happen to you? Yeah. It's you know? definitely and, that mentality, that harmful that's mentality it. of, Well, boys will be boys and girls should know better. And it's not even, I feel, put in a way. That
0: is trying to, to show how silly that mentality is. It's saying no. that mentality as a matter of fact. It, it is, is saying, no, this is the
1: views and beliefs of the filmmakers. <laughs> but you know what, Phil? Like this film was made in 1977, still excessively sexist views back then. Let's face it, you know, yeah. 40 years later, have we really changed? Let's be honest. Not not a hell of a lot. Not a hell of a lot. We we have Um, progressed, thank God. But there's still that discrepancy in how we view men and women in terms of sex and sexuality. But also, yes, made in the late 70s, but set in the 60s. So I actually feel like it's probably an accurate depiction of a cultural viewpoint of a young girl in that situation. As opposed to the filmmakers alone.
0: There's ways, and again, I know it's made in the 70s, so mm. this is sort of difficult to throw out, but I just feel there's ways of showing that this was the, the attitude of the era whilst also saying it was obviously wrong. Yeah, especially because to, it's
1: set 10 years after, I suppose. That's it. That it was,
0: and oh, yeah. on, Exactly. And on top of that, yes, the 70s were sexist but the seventies were also had plenty of film out there that wasn't. No, absolutely. <laughs> there, yeah. there was plenty of artists that were saying, were making that stand and making that change or making those mm. comments. And to me, it's just, it's all well and good saying, Oh, well, this was the era, but there's enough going on around that time to make me go, yeah, sure. This was the era
1: but they're still on the wrong side of history. Yeah. And do you know what? I think you actually hit the nail on the head there saying that just because it's set in the sixties and this type of excessive chauvinistic sexism did exist, you're still in a position to demonstrate how it is wrong. Now we could argue that the filmmakers have tried to demonstrate that because of what happens to the boys at the end of the film. However, Mm. they're not, in my opinion, successful. We're going to chat about Boo shortly, mm. but if we want to argue, well, Boo did wrong by Caroline, so he dies. And we could argue in the, in, in filmmaking sense, well, there you go. He got his comeuppance, but Caroline's father then also dies. Yeah. And that behavior then also jeopardizes Sandy's life because he's killed him yeah. in, in, in self-defense. His estranged from his fiance now, or at least will be, as we see at the very end, mm. you know, there's tension there. So it's kind of like nobody wins. However, mm. the idea of this film is, is that we get to know these boys and that they become quite likable. We're then supposed to feel sorry for what happens to them, but we don't. Yeah. So that now really leads us to one of the boys who is causing all of this grief and mischief. Mm. And that's Boo played by Steve Bisley. Personally, I think he is one of the most repulsive characters (laughs) I have seen in any film. It Mm. is so excessive. Like, his chauvinistic attitudes are incredibly excessive and intense and extreme. Like, and I appreciate that there are people who have these attitudes, but humans are complex, (laughs) But there is no effort at all to try to make him likeable or try to make him, you know, be shown that, oh, look, he's just not had the world experience or the respectful interactions to know better. The guys don't ever really pull him in his place too much. Like, you know, they'll roll roll their eyes and go, oh, you know, that's boo. And be quite dismissive. Yeah, I cannot understand why these guys are friends with him. There is just zero... Likeability about him and nothing redeemable and as you said mate who cares that he dies yeah you know I me mean? like we don't care at the end but for me he was way too much he does emphasize the sexism at the time and we see that very early on when scallop and robbie are at his bedroom window and they peer in and they see that boo is in bed with gloria mm-hmm. And Scalp sort of is taken aback by it, but doesn't sort of reprimand at that yeah. point. He doesn't care that Gloria has slept with Boo because he's got this matey attitude and mm. he has this attitude that is common, particularly with teenage boys. Mm. Than anything. So excuse the phrase I'm about to say, Rose before Hose. He definitely yeah. has that attitude. They have that DNM later on and Boo apologizes. And I actually think whilst he doesn't regret sleeping with Gloria, I think he regrets holding skull's feelings. I feel like there's a genuine yeah. connection of friendship there, but she's still incidental throughout this. That's probably the only hint that we see any bit of actual humanity in Boo. But the mm. whole way through, I'm just like, you repulse me, dude. And Philip, we watch a lot of movies. We see a lot of diverse really? characters. We see good guys and bad. Yeah. And I don't want to say I was confronted by him because, you know, I'm, I'm noticing the, the era. I'm noticing the depictions. We're seeing the, the, the culture of toxic masculinity here. So I just found him more annoying than anything else. Yeah. I found him really annoying. And look, uh, I said I wasn't too confronted. Some of his language was a bit like, come on, man. Like, yeah. you're not a real person. You don't feel that's real. It. That's it, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, your thoughts on him, mate?
0: Yeah, definitely. So he seemed to me, again, just like all the other characters, irredeemable. He was the most irredeemable of them all. Mm. Again, I think it didn't help with the ending, how the ending, he gets killed. Mm. Because... For me, this would have almost been better as one of those you have to live with your mistakes, you have to live with your community that sort of again if this's been a proper coming of age, it would have been that we all learn the truth. our mates aren 't our mates our you know he should have been they should even have gone back to their town or whatever and hidden' be ostracized. maybe he has to go to court over his treatment
1: of uh, Caroline. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, it could be to even add gravity to that. It's almost like the story and and the moral of the story would have been better emphasized. If one of the other boys had died instead because of his mm. reckless, irresponsible and damaging behavior, because Caroline's reputation is, is damaged now Mm. because they might go back to their hometown. She can't. Yeah. You know, it's not a secret by anyone. There's that discussion in the pub, right? And the woman in the pub, played by Abigail, who was a very popular television actress at the time in Australia, Mm -hmm. already knows about Caroline and Mm. talks briefly about how she herself had been slut shamed. And, Mm. uh, you know, she was kind of ostracized for a little bit as well. So we can see what Caroline's future will be. And we can see why her father is so angry. But on that sort of point,
0: I think you're exactly right. If someone else had died, so I think if Scallop, um, mm. if they're, they're having that fight, so when Sandy's beating up Boo, you could have this sort of tussle, that whole chase scene and mm. this work becomes the thriller should be gone. Yeah. And it should actually become maybe where Sandy is beating up Boo. Then Sandy rushes around, grabs the rifle Goes to shoot him. Sculup steps in the way. scallop being the most naive yeah. of the, the the team, gets shot, and it becomes this sort of he dies, and it sort of becomes this again. That sort of nobody wanted this. It's the heat of passion, heat of the yeah. moment, sort of thing, and then
1: go on from there. I'll Workshops something there, but <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. But Philip, it's actually like a similar ending. Yes, the dynamics are different, but it's a similar ending to Romper Stomper. For example, mm. how we've got, you know, friends fighting over a woman, uh, you know, in, in this case, it's Sandy's fiance uh, who isn't in the picture, but the, the premise behind it is the same. And I know that you and I had differing opinions about Romper Stomper and how it resolved, mm-hmm. but we could see the tension yes. in that moment. So, again, whether we agreed with that or not, we at least appreciated what it tried to do, whether mm. we found it successful or not. This one didn't even really try, or if it did, it no. missed the mic ridiculously. It was like it was trying to
0: tie up ends. I mean, the fact that, you know, there's the talk over with the uh, court hearing and mm. Sandy gets off on uh, self-defence charges or yeah. uh, 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 pre- pretty much said, well, he didn't actually kill anyone, so yeah. or he kill- kills that one guy in self-defence. It- it's almost like they're trying to wrap it up and give the good guys the... the, the the hero's ending when none of it was deserved. None yeah. of it was built towards and again trying to make the ending this thriller ending, this chase through and who's gonna get who and it was such a hard turn on it that mm. you don't believe I don't believe any of it. I don't feel
1: any of it is justified. Yeah, there isn't really much of a connection to to any of the characters, again for me Sandy and Scallop the most uh, Boo, mm. absolutely Unattainable I don't even want to get anywhere near him mm. And Phil Avalon who wrote And produced this film based on his Own experiences uh, growing up as a Sophie, uh, as Robbie Doesn't really get much of a look in on this I was like, about to say, who's Robbie? Yeah, you know, exactly, and that's a valid point Is he you know? the
0: one who constantly gets Lemonades or is that someone else? <laughs> who comes the, always, they've
1: beers and I'll have a lemonade, thanks. Sandy asked for the lemonade. No, Sandy, Sandy
0: asked for <laughs> Okay, yeah. that's fair enough.
1: Yeah, Sandy asked for the lemonade though. and Like that scene is significant because it already shows how different he is to the other three boys. Yeah, that makes but sense. That makes essentially, sense. Yeah, Sandy,
0: really,
1: Sandy and Robbie are friends. So Sandy is there because Robbie's really brought him along to celebrate. Yeah. yeah. Well, then to me,
0: Robbie was absolutely a non-existent character because I literally cannot remember who he was <laughs> or how he was there. I can't Absolutely. remember any interactions. I can't remember any. Like I'm sure you'll be able to say, "Oh, Robbie did so and so." And I go, "Oh, was that him?"
1: Yeah, but- yeah. Well, I would like to say that to you, Philip, but he really didn't do much that was significant. <laughs> that I can't really turn around and say, "Well, he actually did this." I was like, "He drove the car," I think.
0: Uh, was <laughs> I he think driving? He,
1: there you go. Yeah, I think he which was. Is he, probably was the why I
0: assumed. Which is probably why I assumed he was the one drinking lemonade. You know? <laughs> But no, let's not have a
1: Desi. (laughs) (laughs) Back then, of course not. Well, I think one of the things that this film is probably known for or connected with audiences the most for back in the day was its depiction of surfing culture. So it's not heavily emphasised here, except mostly through Scolop, who has that talk on the beach with Sandy about enjoying to surf. But in terms of surfing culture and the way that we see that women fit with the sophie types, we can probably do a, a fair comparison to a movie that would be released four years later, and that's Puberty Blues. So that's mm. a film that we've reviewed back in episode 26 of Fred Watch. It's really interesting
0: you say that because after I finished this movie, all I could think was the theme tune to Puberty Blues. I was <laughs> literally humming it, singing it. Oh, it's a gorgeous theme
1: tune. It's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you're absolutely right. Puberty Blues did what this film was trying to do.
1: Oh, and it did it so much better, didn't it? Like, In again, every I know, single way. Yeah, I know that you weren't a huge fan of Puberty Blues, but I think when you've got this to compare it to, it's kind of like... Uh, that's I'll it.
0: Like, like I, I don't remember what I... Uh, scored for Puberty Blues, but I'll definitely increase that score by, it, by at least <laughs> one. I'll at least give it an extra one, maybe two, it, comparing to this, you know? Yeah. it's That was a surf movie, a coming-of-age movie. Yeah. This was a nothing movie.
1: Yeah, and interestingly, both have autobiographical components yeah. behind them. So for this film... The writer based it on his own experiences. Puberty Blues is based on a book by two girls who are talking about their experiences. I wonder if the key difference is, well, the girls who wrote the novel Puberty Blues, (laughs) right, are just better writers. Yeah. But also that the female perspective is just a lot more interesting. Yeah. In terms of this era.
0: I think that's a big part of it. I think that the fact that this movie was trying to be... Sorry, I'm just getting little flashes of this movie and I'm going, there was something with a guy that they, they cut off or something and then he went to or tried to or succeeded in bursting the tires or something. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes,
1: Because no, 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 you didn't imagine that. So what's happened is that he's gone to to deflate the tires. They are able to get away, but that tire is flat. He then meets them again on a bit of a hill and there's that gag, which I have to say I did laugh at where he doesn't realize he's um, left the handbrake off and the car goes rolling.
0: Oh, okay. I missed that entirely.
1: Oh, okay. You missed that Uh, gag?
0: I missed that gag, I must admit. Because I'm sitting there thinking now, how was that not the father of Caroline? (laughs) How was they not? They're trying to make a thriller. They had the perfect setup for a thriller. How was this guy not stalking them the entire time they're in town? (laughs) But, of course, it's not a thriller at this point. It's a bloody drama. No, No, Puberty Blues has, because it had a succinct story, it had a story that it knew it wanted to tell, and it told it on the... When I say one level, I mean it had levels, but I mean yeah. it told that one story and it did it well. Yeah. Oh, it's, mm. the more I'm thinking, the angrier I'm getting. There we here go. Here we I'm go, angry. Phil.
1: Here we go. <laughs> I, I told you you like, you like to be angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For me, there isn't a lot that's redeemable about this film, really. Uh, We'll talk more about that when we go to our final thoughts and score. I have come across a quote from the director, Christopher Fraser, and I found this one on IMDb. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So this is what he has said. I was the director and it was my first film. As far as I was concerned, it was never finished. Despite the ludicrously low budget, it could have been so much better than it turned out. All the leading actors fell into a serious argument with the producer and refused to continue working on the project. I never expected to see it on the screen. The producer and editor padded out the film with meaningless bits of irrelevant stock footage to make the required length of 87 minutes to qualify for a feature film. As you can imagine, I was disappointed and embarrassed. Some parts of the movie actually work very well there was a lot of spontaneous ad-lib, especially between Mel Gibson and Steve Bisley. The first time we saw Mel Gibson in close-up in a viewing theatre, someone said, he's going to be a star. I thought mm. so too. One day I'll tell the whole story. It's more complex and funny than the film itself. Wow. Yeah, I think so that's, that's such that's... a great quote, I have to be honest. Such a great insight No, that, that is
0: that That brings so much more to it. So yeah. that's Phil Avalon? Uh, that's
1: Christopher Fraser, the director. So Phil Avalon okay. wrote, produced, and acted as Robbie Innes.
0: Right, okay. So he's one of the guys who cocked
1: up. Got it. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> mention the producer by name because obviously there'll be multiple producers. Oh, of course, of but, course. But yeah, it'll Gotta be, be it. in that
0: team, though. I now really feel bad for Christopher Fraser, then.
1: I think he... it's a shame. He's trying to make a really good movie. Uh, he's true. trying to tell this story and trying to do justice to the source material, but didn't quite work out. And especially because the cast, uh, I suppose, were a bit of a, a close team. So, John Jarrett was shown the script after he was seen in Picnic at Hanging Rock. He really mm-hmm. liked the script. And he then recommended that these two guys who were still in NIDA. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Bisley and Mel Gibson who were studying together be cast or at least go for an audition so the th- you know three of the leads already had this existing relationship I think it shows yeah. in terms of the dynamics yeah. like I do have to say there's great chemistry with Steve Bisley and Mel Gibson in this movie mm. like you do I like their moments together it's just that they don't really have much to do there's nothing to work with no and I think it'd be really interesting to see what the original would have looked like. I mean, look, we'll never know, right? Yeah, but it would have yeah. been really interesting to know more about that backstory why things had to sort of shut the way it did, why production was halted. Uh, at the time, the actors were getting paid the minimum equity rate or a little bit more than the minimum equity rate. So they were earning $100 a week. And Probably, based on what this film looks like, they probably really only filmed (laughs) for a few weeks, so they wouldn't have made a lot. Uh, Again, the movie is quite well known because it was Mel Gibson's big screen debut. It's also Steve Bisley's big screen debut as well and an early role for John Jarrett, who most people will know as Mick Taylor in Wolf Creek, a very iconic character here. Steve Bisley is a staple on Australian TV and film. And we don't really need to tell you who Mel Gibson is. If you aren't really? aware, why are you listening to a movie review podcast? Yes. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. The movie was made for $66,000 and took over 1 million at the box office. It was an absolutely huge box office hit. Yeah. And Phil Avalon, who wasn't really a seasoned person in the film industry, didn't know the rules which meant that he could break them. So he actually toured the movie to different theatres and different venues as well. And people absolutely loved it. So it was a popular movie. So I think, you know, Phil, we can agree it has not aged well, but it connected on some level with audiences there. So much so that 11 years later, we have a sequel called Breaking Loose. And Abigail, who plays the woman in the pub very famous at the time for being in a TV series called number 96. So if you're unfamiliar with that series, it was very scandalous at the time in Australian TV. It famously features Australian television's first openly gay character. It had a lot of sex and nudity and Abigail was the sex siren (laughs) of the seventies. So she did return in the sequel. So Philip, maybe down the track we might visit breaking loose you never know if we're gluttons for punishment.
0: <laughs> I do in, like
1: being angry. <laughs> if you like being angry. Who knows? Maybe yeah. a, decade, a decade later, it might be a better film. I don't know. We, we, maybe. We, maybe. We, we, might, we might be game enough to try, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Phil, in terms of Summer City, your final thoughts and a score out of five.
0: Definitely, as you just just said, it did not age well. It is a film that I think should be viewed as a what not to do. <laughs> Definitely needs to be paired with homework. I mean, the simple fact, uh, like you gave, giving that uh, quote from Christopher Fraser, absolutely turned my, in, in an instant, turned my idea of him around. Yeah. So I was sitting there thinking before, oh, the director's a fricking idiot, freaking blah, 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 blah. But then to hear that the production issues is left, right and centre. I know myself as a small-time director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, if, if I had the editor turn around and producers turn around and go, oh, by the way, we're putting in all this extra crap just to add timing, it's going to make the movie look like mm. uh, rubbish. I'd be livid. I, I would instantly be saying, you know, uh, directed by Alan Smithy. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, Alan Smithy is the default. I don't want anything to do with this movie name. So definitely have major sympathies for uh, Christopher. After saying all that, it's also interesting to me that you have these big names, these people who go on to be these amazing, iconic artists and actors attached to this film and even they couldn't make it you, you sometimes see a film and, and it's like okay this is rubbish but the acting was really good and of yeah. course it was it was so and so they 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 pulled nothing out of something out of nothing this didn't even have that even mm-hmm. the and again yes it's early in their careers but even they couldn't make anything of this Today, if something like this was done today, I am absolutely astounded it did so well at the box office mm. because today this is what you'd call a career breaker. Mm. This is the sort of thing that you'd, you'd be in and then we'd never hear from you again. <laughs> and so I, I'm everything about the outcome of this film baffles me mm. because watching that, I cannot, for the life of me, understand why you would look at it and go, that's amazing. I don't care how much marketing it got, whether it was toured around, which is like that. I could get maybe the idea of, oh, the circus is coming to town. Mm -hmm. The, the, The hype of something being brought to your city. But seriously, after that, you'd be like, oh yeah, that was a lot of rubbish. But apparently not. Apparently it somehow spoke to people and, Normally, I can put myself in people's shoes. I can look back and go, oh, yeah, it's the era. I can get this. But this, I cannot for the life of me understand how people looked at it and went, oh, I relate to that. I get that. Uh, oh, when, when Jono was shot by the, the outraged father last week, oh, uh, a... <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. So yeah, no, absolutely no idea me this is hands down one of the worst films we have reviewed one out of five
1: Wayne <laughs> yeah I I agree with you on a lot of levels with this movie who would have thunk it <laughs> 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 I am with you though as well about Christopher Fraser absolutely nothing against him whatsoever I think he tried I think he tried really hard and was with a low budget there was obviously some production problems And, you know, he is embarrassed by it. And it is unfortunate. This is his only feature film directorial credit. So, Phil, Uh, as you said, a movie like this would break careers. Even though this was successful, it disillusioned him somehow. Must have. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, hey, if you've got a box office hit, regardless of what you think of it, that's a box office hit. That should be drawing you, at least in the local industry. Uh, So that is unfortunate to hear. I think this movie has staying power because of who is in it. People will watch it, especially outside of Australia, because Mel Gibson is in it. It's a curiosity piece more than anything, but it isn't really successful in telling a strong, cohesive and engaging story. It has moments. There are some gags that are quite effective. There are some moments in the acting that's quite effective. I feel, I think the guys look good. Uh, I think that, some of the shots look okay. That's probably the nicest way I can talk about the way this is shot and framed and filmed. I feel like the script does let it down though. I think Mm. that it just needed to tell a simple story again. Like you've said, let's make it a coming of age. Let's make the four guys really close friends, not have Sandy a bit of an outsider. Who's only there because he's Robbie's best mate actually have all four of them as really tight friends and Characters like Boo, especially, are driven by the fear that things will never be the same again because he's going to go off and get married. I think there's a lot of weight and meat that you can put behind a story Mm. like that. Not original by any means. Nothing new whatsoever. But it would have been a bit more interesting. Again, some moments were okay. Uh, Other moments were just incomprehensible because of the poor sound and, and picture quality good on the team for making it for the amount of money that they did good on the team for being able to make it extraordinarily profitable. So I heard Mm. in an interview with Phil Avalon that they went to cinemas and instead of just showing the film, say, you know, once or twice a day, like most other films were doing, they were convincing cinemas to show that movie every two hours and say, look, we'll pay you more for showing it more, but they'd get good numbers. They started doing midnight screenings I think like on a Friday or a Saturday night, sold out. How, how have I not heard of this film before? Because that to me, that's like absolutely
0: Star Wars style uh, uh, exposure.
1: <laughs> yeah, it feels like the little film that could and did. And shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't. And you know what, Philip? Like we, you know, scratch our heads at it and it probably shows that it really was reflective of the era, even though we can mm. sit and say, well, look, even though you were, you were still progressive and, you know, X, Y, Z and all of these things, audiences connected, audiences were engaged yeah. and really liked it. And even though that ending does sort of throw us off a little bit because it does feel misplaced. And even if you're going to have it in there, the buildup isn't strong enough for it, mm. in my opinion, Maybe it was, I don't know, it was probably the gimmick that that sealed the deal that had people talking, (laughs) you need to watch this movie called Summer City. I, however, am not somebody who will be recommending that people watch Summer City unless you really want to see John Jarrett, Steve Bisley, Mel Gibson, three incredibly talented actors at a very early stage in their Mm. careers when they're all quite green. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The only reason why you'd have a look, but you don't necessarily need to see the whole film. One out of five from me as well today, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Philip, you particularly have had a bad trot with the films we've been discussing on Fred Watch. <laughs> yes. Are you going to turn it around for us next time? I hope so. Although knowing, I think conversations
0: we've had, maybe not on the podcast in the past, <laughs> you may think otherwise, but, <laughs> I've decided that we need a good laugh.
1: Right. That
0: we need some uh, joy and uh, (laughs) frivolity in our our midst. And so I've decided that next time we're going to watch one of the funniest yet also most controversial for its time films that I know of, Mm. Monty Python's Life of
1: Brian. Yes. (laughs) Super excited about this one, mate. But that's all I'm saying. I'm saving it for our next podcast. (laughs) But I will flag. I can't wait. Yes. (laughs) So until then, I've been a Wayne Stellini, and I've been a Philip Hunting, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Here, music. Get on the surfboard, Phil. Out you go.
0: Ten. Hang 10, <laughs> hang 10, That's the only $10 you wipe out. <laughs> like this movie was. <laughs> Snap. And scene. Blooper reel. G'day. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey. Whoa. Oh, you're, you're, you're Wayne.
1: This is me. So that conversation with the hellos last time just threw me when you went away again. <laughs> okay. When are you ready? Ah, uh, from the top? Yeah, man. Might as well. What have you been watching since our last podcast?
0: Um, I've got another, uh, Kirsten's been watching, thus I've been watching, uh, Peace. <laughs> but this one's actually not too bad. Um, it is... Oh, fuck it. it. had the name right there. Uh, who's in
1: it? What's it about? Uh, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, I don't know names. And oh, no shit.
0: Yes, my wife and kids. Okay. I've been watching
1: a. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Today, we're reviewing the Australian Sophie drama Summer City. You've got Sophie Thriller here. Do you? Yeah, having watched it, I feel like it's more of a drama than a thriller, to cool, cool. be honest. Cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. In 1960s New South Wales, friends Sandy, John Jarrett, Robbie, Phil Avalon, Boo, Steve Brisley. Oh, I knew I'd get his name wrong.
0: It's very... Cla- um, endemic? Yeah. None of them seemed to have redeeming features. Any redeeming features were sort of you know, shoehorned in. You know, a scallop seemed to go from if if I was seeing the right character, mm. I think scallop went from being this brain dead idiot to this. Was it was it scallop who was talking to the lady? Oh, sorry, sorry. Again, this was so bad. I didn't. No, uh, Caroline. Kidding. Caroline's the one who got abused.
1: Yeah, so Caroline was abused. So Boo abused her in the water tank. Yes. Yep. And it was Sandy. Someone was talking
0: to him on the beach. Oh,
1: Sandy. That, that's Sandy. Yep. Ah, oh, okay. Then
0: I retract what I was about to say. That's okay. Was, you can I thought. I actually thought. Yep. I actually thought that was uh, scallop, and thus in my head, he's going from this brain dead idiot. To this gosh, sophisticated, yeah. you've got a to... gosh, well, that picture
1: quality must be horrible if you can't tell the oh, difference between sure. yeah. Mel Gibson and John Jarrett. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. Exactly. That's how bad it was. No, that's okay. that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Um, so if you want, you can, it. yeah, you can uh, start that that thought again. I like where you're um, going with it, by the way, mate. No,
0: thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. I um, you can actually agree
1: on a lot of things with this movie. For a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. <clears throat> um, then how do I run that one
1: down now? You said um, none of the characters were redeemable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scallop was this brain-dead idiot and seemed only there to serve as the instigating uh, um, incident, inciting incident. Like the father... I know I'm going into huge spoilers here, but, you know, whatever. The the father killing off... but yeah, it would be Boo, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. The father killing Boo, but Robbie wanting Boo dead as well. It was Robbie, wasn't it? Robbie? Um, Robbie? Did he want Robbie dead? Who who had the 22? Philip, guns, me. Uh, sorry, who had the um, second gun? <laughs>
1: the second gun um, was held by Sandy.
0: Oh, then I've gotten this whole fucking thing.
1: So what's happening? What's happening is is that <laughs> Boo is, um, you know, Sandy overhears Boo bragging that he had had sex with Sandy's. Fiance. Yeah. So that's
0: a, I, the thing is I know all of the well not off the heart obviously, but I know the dialogues, yeah. but I haven't been able to put uh, voices to faces properly because yeah. for the majority of it, it looked like I was streaming to a potato. <laughs>
1: Um, all right, um, Gypsy's just come in, so I've opened <laughs> her up. I'm just gonna settle her mate. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, um, Sandy was chasing Boo. Gypsy.
0: Yeah.
1: Meow. Um, Hello. Yeah, so Sandy was chasing Boo, and then when yeah. Boo sees the car to get in, that's Caroline's father. He doesn't have a name, just father. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he kills. He kills Boo. And then he pursues Sandy who shoots him three times in self-defense because you're right. He is presented a bit as a himbo obsessed with surfing, but he does have that beautiful chat with Sandy on the beach where Sandy's like, well, you know, don't you sort of want more for this? I don't get the whole thing with Mm -hmm. with surfing. Where do you want to be in 10 years? And we can see that scallop is, I keep saying scallop.
0: (laughs) What's his name? Scallop. All right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But he's also got that moment where you can see that when Boo admits that he had, you know, the characters are the ones that elevate it, right? Because at least you can relate to them. Let's just probably go through. Let's go through some of these uh, of them. So if you don't have a story, surely the characters are the ones that elevate it, right? Because at least you can relate to them. Let's go through some of the main characters and see what we can really draw out of them. Let's start with our main protagonist, John Jarrett as Sandy, the groom to be. So he doesn't particularly really want to be there with these guys over the weekend. And he definitely has a more sturdy head on his shoulders. What did you think of him as a character, Phil? He... (sighs) hard because I'm just trying to visualise the characters. Did you want me um, to maybe talk first about them so that can refresh your memory and then Yeah, it? that'd be great. Yeah, not that'd a problem. No, no, no worries, mate. Not no worries. And I might actually just merge look, my... Sorry, guys. yeah.
0: Look, with with this film, because I was struggling to actually, physically see it. Yeah. I, I know I said it before, but I really did struggle to actually connect with any of the characters anyway, so... Uh, they, and on top of that with the little story, I just could not engage with this film whatsoever,
1: so. you want me to talk the most?
0: Yeah, if yeah. that's alright no, I'm they're... trying, I am
1: trying <laughs> Oh no, no, oh, no. I, I know you're trying because I was, uh, as I said, I I'm, was just to check that. I feel like maybe my maybe my TV showed a bit more because I could tell who was who yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you know, three of the four leads, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of them, um, yeah, so if yeah. you're not As familiar with their work, yeah. I I only know John Jarrett and
0: Mel Gibson, and I'll tell you now, wasn't until I saw the name Mm. uh, uh, later Mm. um, that I realized it was John Jarrett.
1: Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know it was him looking at him. Such a spunk, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, those features. It's such a beautiful, intense face. Mm. And especially since we know him more now than then, it's not, not that recognizable. Okay, I'm going to stop that whole thing again, okay, mate?
0: Yep. sorry, mate.
1: No, no, don't be sorry, don't be sorry. You flagged that you struggled with this film, I get it. Yeah, thank God it was only 83 minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Boo did wrong by Caroline, so she dies. So, he... The idea of this film is, is that we get to know these boys and that they become quite likeable. And we're then supposed to feel sorry for what happens to them, but we don't. Yeah she can't hear you phil hey come here why did you why did you leave i can't yeah you can but she can't hear you gypsy was actually watching the movie with me today yeah she slept about 10 minutes into it (laughs) yeah he doesn't care that gloria has slept with beau because the other boys are at least a bit more likable It's my jam. Because I'm not in the room. I totally forgot. <laughs> Three o'clock, mate. Oh, it is. I, I, think, <laughs> I think the world just wants to say, well, you guys didn't enjoy this movie, so you're going to have to yeah, suffer talking it. about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, oh, fuck. What was I going to say? Uh, um... Oh, yeah. No, I do know what I was going to say. And we yeah. can see why her father is so angry. But, um, so I'm just trying to think about how to word it so I can then cut to you. Um, I can cut in because I've got something, yeah, go for it. Um,
0: mm. if they're, they're having that fight, so it's, uh, Boo, you know, when Boo's being beaten up,
1: mm. it's Sandy who beats him up, isn't it? That's correct, yes, and especially because the cast. Uh, I suppose we're a bit of a a close team. So, John Jarrett was brought on board because he was watched in. I'm going to see who actually saw him. Okay, it doesn't say who saw him. Okay. And scene. We survived, mate. (laughs) We
0: survived.